Last week, you heard us talk about the Scary Time podcast, and we hope you're enjoying it as much as we are. Each week on Scary Time, an independent creator tells us about the paranormal, ghosts, monsters, hauntings, and more. Best of all, if you like the creator, you can follow them for more great content. So this morning, I listened to The Seance by My Paranormal Story. The host, Tom, has a very calming voice, and something about it makes it even creepier when it's combined with the background music. I know exactly what you mean. I love the background music. Mm -hmm. Check out the link for Scary Time in our show notes, or search for Scary Time in your favorite podcast app. This podcast may contain adult language and situations, graphic, gory details, and other not-so-nice things. Listener discretion is advised. I'm Lacey. And I'm Ashley. And this is United States of Murder. Today we're joined with a special guest. My name is Dr. Garrett Andrews. I am a board-certified neuropsychologist. Basically what that means is my specialty is dealing with brain and behaviors. Neurologic disease, injury, things like that, and the types of behaviors that may be caused from those. And then we assess those and treat those. I do that in clinical and in forensic arenas. So what was your background like, your schooling for that? I kind of went about a roundabout way of getting there. So, <laughs> But I did finish my doctorate in Missouri, and I went on and did a clinical internship at a VA where I did geriatric and neuropsych. And then I went from there to a level one trauma center in Pennsylvania. So I worked at uh, Geisinger Medical Center. I know where that is. I have two friends that work there. Yeah. So that's where I was. Do you really? Yes. Yeah. What do they do? Um, one's in peds internal med and then the other one is in internal med going into gastro you have geisinger and you have um and then you have lewisburg it's about 15 20 minutes away which has a federal prison federal prison in mm-hmm. lewisburg so we would get some of the federal prisons people come to the hospital because so, they were injured or because you had to i saw them usually if they were injured they always fell so every time i saw them and i had to ask what happened they're like i fell but they usually got beat and you would lie? I didn't lie. That's what they told me. <laughs> they told me they, they would fall. Lied. Yeah, and they I, are and, I and I would just write whatever they said. It didn't matter from a treatment <sighs> standpoint. But yeah, they they weren't going to be like, yeah, I got my ass kicked, and then rat rat I, people out. I would have told on everybody. You would not have been able to send me back. <laughs> so what led you into forensics then? So I specialize in traumatic brain injury. That was sort of my oh. fellowship. When I came to Little Rock and I started working because of that specialty, uh, I started getting sort of contacts through attorneys for brain injury stuff. And then I started getting contacts uh, from different criminal, so civil and criminal, because claims of brain injuries, claims of different things. Mm-hmm. And so that expanded me, my, my practice sort of into the forensic world. Now, when I was in a train, when I was training, my mentor was a boarded forensic and neuro specialist. I did some work with him at the federal prison mm-hmm. when I was a student. So I had been doing it for a while. And this is something you probably didn't know, you wouldn't know, is when I graduated college, like undergrad, I was a parole officer for a year. And so I did a parole internship for six months when I was an undergrad. And then when I, and I worked at the Missouri state prison. And then when I got out of college, I took a position and I worked for the Arkansas department. It was community punishment then. It's changed since then, but it was the parole and probation office uh, here in Arkansas. And I did that for a year. Then I was like, no, and I went back to school and started my doctorate. So I've been working in legal stuff for years that blow your mind. I'm sh- I'm speechless. <laughs> I've seen it from multiple angles. I'm so speechless right now. So, since you brought up court, yeah. what can you tell us about a crazy case that you've had in court that's dealing with, <laughs> like, a murder trial? Have you ever had any of those? Yes. Can you tell us? You can't tell us names. I know that. I'll tell you names. But, yeah, no, I've had uh, court testimony on several murder cases, a couple of high-profile ones uh, here in the state. The one that came to mind, I, I think, that I kind of mentioned was 
it was a case where a um, person uh, <laughs> person was pulled over by the police uh, and then wound up uh, shooting and killing two well killing one police officer and wounding another. Mm-hmm. And so that was a it was a capital murder case, and uh, I was called in for the prosecution uh, because the defense was making a claim that he had brain injury and he was acting impulsively and could control his actions. And you said. That wasn't the case. That the evidence didn't support that. So do you look at the evidence and do you talk to the person? Even if you're hired by the prosecutor, you can talk, like interview them and ask yes. them questions? Okay. Yeah. I don't know how that you, works. you can. Um, in this particular case, what I got mostly, I had I had all the videos. So I had the, the videos from the patrol car. I had audio. You could hear what they were saying. Okay. And then I had access to all his medical records. And the evaluation that they were claiming proved that he had cognitive deficits. And so uh, based on that evidence alone, being able to just see the video and mm-hmm. see how it all played out, you know, I concluded that no, he, he had ability to control. There was, there was no evidence that he even had a brain injury anyway, but he had years of substance abuse. And I think they were trying to stretch that into, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, he had some problems, but even his... I think the nail in the coffin was even his brother testified and said, no, he's never had any problems with impulsivity. That'd be my sister. She'd be like, no, she's just an asshole. She's not, there's nothing wrong with her. She's just a dick. Yeah. So, so basically what they were trying to say is that he responded to the, the threat that he saw as the police officers and he shot them out of impulse. Uh, now what had happened, if you want to know kind of the details, what happens, it's kind of, of interesting. Yeah. So he was pulled over or he was a passenger. They were pulled over. And as they were running the IDs, a warrant came back for him uh-huh. for child sex abuse. Okay. So the police officer was alone and he was like, He's going to wait till he had someone else there before he engaged this guy. The other patrolman pulled up. He then engaged him. I guess he thought the he was going to get away with get out, and so he was fine until the other police pulled up. And then when he came around to get him out of the car, he came out shooting. Yeah. So he shot that officer. He turned his gun to where his friend was standing because his friend was already out of the car. He did not shoot his friend, even though he pointed the gun at him. And then he turned and started shooting at the other officer and chased him. He went back. He was wounded. He came back, and the officer that he shot in the face was down but still alive. He took his gun from him as the guy's telling him, don't don't shoot me, don't shoot me, and shoots him. And they're trying to claim it was all impulsive. And I said, mm-hmm. there's no. nothing about those things that happened that were impulsive. Now, did he plan on shooting cops that day? I'm not saying that. But he certainly made decisions. He certainly made a decision yeah. of what he was going to do, and at different points he could have stopped. And if he were impulsive, he would have shot his friend. If he just pulled the gun and was shooting anyone that yeah. was around, he had enough. I shot this guy. I don't shoot this guy. I shoot this guy. And so uh, that was sort of that's sort of the basics of the case. That's awful. So, yeah. So that happened. Uh, <laughs> so that was a case that was involved a few years ago. Um, so, have you ever had a case where you went in and you were like, yes, they do have a brain injury and that's why they did whatever they did? Uh, I've had cases where there was clear mental disease, mm-hmm. uh, schizophrenia, things of that nature that clearly impacted their ability to make decisions and that, and that kind of thing. That is a factor. Yeah, I have, I have made that. So, I guess let's back up. So. <laughs> so do they get, I mean, like if that's, if, so do they, do they like not get off, but. They don't. They, they, uh, depending on the system you're in, they send them to a state hospital mm-hmm. or they send them to a federal hospital for restoration. Uh-huh. And so they see if they can restore them. And so they treat them, they do medication, whatever. And then they reevaluate and say, okay, now does the person understand what's going on? Can they, can they, are they competent? Mm-hmm. And then at that point trial may go forward. So there's there's sort of different aspects to competency. So say they commit a crime when they're like having a psychiatric breakdown or whatever mm-hmm. it's called, and then they get sent to the state hospital and treated, and now they're competent to stand trial. How do they retry them? Is that not double jeopardy? You've already tried them once. No, they don't try them. 
So, so you, the, the attorney makes a claim that they uh-huh. have a mental disease or defect. Okay. All that happens before the trial. And if the judge then decides, oh, okay. the, tr- the judge will decide, yes, I'm going to assign them to the state hospital for a year for restoration. And then when they're done, you come back to the court and tell me, do you think they're ready to stand trial or not? And he'll make another, he or she will make another decision on whether that person can stand trial. So is that all obviously taken into consideration, like during sentencing and all that? I mean, can they not, you, you know what I'm saying? I think they do, especially, right. especially given death penalty, Arkansas is a death penalty state. Uh-huh. Um, and so one of the things about even the death penalty for you know, I'm not, I'm not a lawyer, but I do some of this, you know, these, these evaluations is that you not only have to be competent, but you also have to understand the reason why you're being put to death. So you have to understand the consequences of you being put to death, that you're going to die. Mm-hmm. And this is and why. And you have to be able to verbal verbalize. I know why I'm being put to death and and um, understand it. This is why the federal, why the, the Supreme Court's made it where if you're low IQ, low, you know, intellectual disability right. can't be. But that just happened not long ago. Yeah. Which is terrible uh, because it doesn't affect anybody before that that's so, still in prison. Not true. Okay. So. Well, <laughs> and, I'll tell you and the reason, okay. I'll tell you why. But the reason why I'm saying that is because, like, we covered Purvis Payne in Tennessee. That was Tennessee, though. So yeah. That might be different. So is it different state by state? It, well, here, here's the, here's what I know. From the state, and I've been involved in these, and I actually presented at the law school here about some of this. Um, so there was a nut. So, so we had the intellectual disability, right? Mm-hmm. Supreme Court decided that. Then there was a lawsuit, and I can't remember all the names. There was a lawsuit in Louisiana where a guy that who was who was well, I guess this is a little different. Sorry. He well, anyway, in Louisiana, he was sentenced to life in prison at seventeen years old, and also, part of the Supreme Court was if you're a juvenile, you can't be sentenced to death. Oh, no, he was sentenced to death at 17. And so they were doing a whole new evaluation because the Supreme, the Supreme Court ruled that we need to evaluate everyone that was sentenced to death if they were a juvenile. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think for the intellectual disabilities, you can make that argument, too. But, again, I'm not a lawyer, so I do know there's certain limits to how many times they can sue like, or yeah. whatever for, yeah. you know, uh, file motions. Right. Um, well, this so. guy is, uh, he's... That's um, what happened. <laughs> you'll have to listen to that. You'll have to go back and listen to that. It's a big, long thing. Mm. Um, anyways, he was, he has a very low IQ. Okay. And he was sentenced to death and DNA wasn't tested because they didn't have it in the 80s. And then, then when they finally did agree to test it this year, it came back that it wasn't him. But he's still, like they put it, you know, they put a stay of execution. He was supposed to be executed in December. So now he's just waiting for a new execution date. And that's one of their arguments for the Innocence Project is working on it, is that the Supreme Court has passed this. Yeah. If you have a, you know, intellectual disability that you cannot be put to death. Because like you said, he, he doesn't understand what that means yeah, yeah. or why it's happening to yeah. him. So, but they're arguing, saying that. That only applies from this point forward. It doesn't yeah. apply to the so, we We're not going backwards and yeah. going back. So what I think will probably wind up happening is that will continue to be argued to higher courts until right. someone makes a decision. Yeah. And it may go to the Supreme Court. And if it does, I would assume, I'll order it, but I would assume <laughs> <laughs> that the same thing that happened with a juvenile sentencing probably would happen. Right. I think. But you right. know, there's all sorts of legal things. Yeah. But that would be the most fair to me mm-hmm. but what i this is a thing i when i got into doing forensic work i uh quickly realized i talked to some mentors of mine about it and that court isn't a lot of times about justice and fairness it's 100%, about what exactly. you can kind of get people to believe yeah. right and so to me it sounds like that's what they should do but a court's going to have to order it so i would assume hopefully that he has his federal defenders that'll argue that up up the chain. Well, we certainly hope so. Yeah. You know, and that's the thing. So, like, even if they, because um, I've had a few people on death row that we've had reversed to life. Really? Uh, here mm-hmm. in Varner, just here on Varner. Wow. Mm-hmm. I can think of three off the top of my head, but for mental health, one was, one was schizophrenic. He was paranoid schizophrenic, 20 years history of it. 
that he was not treated. He was actively psychotic. I saw him at least three or four times over three or four years. State hospital saw him. They agreed with me. They still put him on a list to be put to death. The governor did. And then they argued, argued. And finally, they took him off. And then someone said, I was like, they, they think he was staying on death row, but they weren't going to do it. And then finally, they just moved him off death row. So he'll stay in life in prison. Uh, but he, he's right, paranoid schizophrenic. And then uh, at another guy, it was kind of interesting. I saw four low IQ. They wanted me. They suspected low IQ. He was on death row. I saw him, and then six months after I saw him, he had a major stroke. So it was actually bad. I mean, that was bad, but good timing that I saw him before because I had all my exam prior to the stroke. So then I started following him after the stroke, and he didn't recover. He started having seizures. He had hemiparesis, where he right Mm -hmm. side, you know. And um, so I argued. I said, yeah, before he was kind of low, but he wasn't intellectually. Now – he has a lot of impairments. Like, he cannot function. Like, right. he's impaired. And he was no threat. He was in a wheelchair. He was wheelchair-bound at this point. And uh, he had a massive stroke. And uh, so I got another colleague of mine, Dr. Collins. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we both got involved in the case. And they wound up moving him to a, a medical facility and took him off death row. Wow. But it kind of coincided with that stroke. So if that happens, since you mentioned that, do they, they so they just take him out of prison and put him just like in a regular nursing facility? Uh, or do they generally have- not? Like they have hospital, like jail, prison hospitals and stuff. Uh, I don't know where he went. I just know they like, were sending him to a nursing facility. But they have, is that a stupid question? No. No, even at like the state hospital, there mm-hmm. are different wings, wings of severity, I guess. I don't know the terms sure. for it. Criminals who did something really bad. People that are like schizophrenic that got, yeah, well, you know what I mean, like drugs and whatever. Then there's the murderers. Gotcha. Then there's, it's just, I'm not saying it was a state hospital. I don't know. But like even there, there's different. Yeah. I mean, so like this guy take, this guy needed essentially 24 hour care, right? right? He needed nursing care. Mm-hmm. He can't be in a prison. They yeah. don't, they're not equipped to do it. It's dangerous for him yeah. to be there. And he, offered no threat to anybody yeah. at this point. Yeah. So it was like, what do you do? Hmm. You know? Hmm. So, yeah. Well, I just thought of another one that was really good. Tell us. We <laughs> want to know all the crimes. This was a high profile one too here. Uh, so I was on the defense on this one. Yeah. And. Um, Sorry, real quick question. Yeah. Who contacts you? Like, for if it's the prosecutor defense, how does that happen? I usually just get a, the attorney. Okay. Um, the attorney someone knows who you are and they oh, contact sure. yeah, you. Yeah. Okay, okay. I've done enough with the state and with federal around here that they just, gotcha. hey, oh, they'll okay. send me a contract. And no. you can either accept or not. Yeah. Okay. Well, usually ask me before. Okay. So there, none of them are mandated. I usually kind of get asked okay. to, because like the state hospital does a lot that sort of, the prosecutors have to use the state hospital. Right, mm-hmm. uh, but when it gets above their specialty, which they don't have someone quite like me there, and mm-hmm. so uh, that's when I'll kind of get called in, gotcha. and they'll issue a contract. So I okay. get contracts, and uh, I guess the gist of it was he uh, there was a questionable. It was a murder suicide, murder attempted suicide. Person's getting divorced. That person's father came. To to the house, he gets shot, and then and dies. The the dad, the dad of the, the wife, father-in-law. yeah, the father in law. This person has not one but two bullet holes in their head, and they try to say he just tried to commit. So he killed him and tried to commit suicide. No one saw it, but the wife, daughter is the one who showed up. She was the only one that showed up on the scene, and that's what they assumed happened. Okay, It was a murder-suicide. So he shot himself once, didn't do it, shot himself again, according to their theory. I don't know what happened. I wasn't there. Uh, but because of this, he had fragments in his brain. Okay, mm-hmm. He was put on at least three or four medications to prevent seizures. If he was off the medications, he was seizing he had to have the medications, was also impacts your cognition. We saw him. He was bedridden. He couldn't function. Um, we 
did the evaluation. It's like is a team of us that work with this, uh, and they wind up. I don't remember exactly, but they didn't do the trial and just basically said he can't. He's in a nursing home forever. He's not moving. He's not going anywhere. And he was, and that's what happened. And then I talked to the attorney not too long ago, and I, I think that he passed away within a year. But there was question of whether I, this part I never got into. But there was question on whether what really happened uh-huh. uh, because there's a lot of money involved apparently. So uh-huh. I don't really know what happened, but I know again what I was called in was for the brain and the cognition, and clearly he was unable to participate in trial. He was uh, incompetent to be tried. He was incompetent to be sentenced. And so the judge just stopped it. What do you think happened? I, I don't, I don't <laughs> know. He's like, don't ask me that. Yeah. I don't know. I, just because I didn't... Uh, we know I, I don't you know all there. The, well, I mean, I don't know all the evidence, but, you know, the attorneys... I will say this. The attorneys that hired you... Because we haven't said any names, so we don't know who this person is. I know. Uh, the attorneys that hire you or advocates. Sure. Right? So they're telling you everything they think anyway. Yeah. And you listen and you go, okay. And then you go do your thing. And sometimes I agree with them. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes I agree with a little bit of what they say and sometimes mm-hmm. I don't. Um, but uh, that's kind of how it works. Mm-hmm. So they're telling, you know, they're going to call. Well, I, we don't think there's question whether the wife did this. Da, da, da. And I'm like, I, you know, I have no idea. Have you ever like had an attorney or whomever hires you for court cases get like pissed at you because you don't go along with what they think or say? Uh, I can think of one, (laughs) one instance. I mean, I'm sure there's other ones may have happened, but one where I had it on the phone with them a little bit. Hmm. So it was another murder. So, so this person, he was out of Memphis, but he uh, went to prison at 18 for beating him in I think raping his neighbor who was like 60, like older Ew, neighbor. Okay. So he went to prison at 18. He got out at 32. Okay. 18 to 32. So basically his adult life, he'd been in prison. Mm-hmm. Uh, he got out. And again, this is the, the brief kind of story of what happened. So when he got out of prison, he had a girlfriend. He was out two years, had a girlfriend, thought his girlfriend was cheating on him went to her parents' house and killed her parents, okay? So now he's arrested, being charged capital murder. They asked me to come in and evaluate him. This was the defense. So they want something to be wrong with him. Mm-hmm. So I evaluated him, and there was nothing cognitively wrong at all. He was one of the most antisocial people I've ever been in a room with. Okay. Maybe like, he just didn't like you. No, he was. <laughs> he's he like, was, no, everybody he, likes me. He was, he was very, I mean, classic Right. Antisocial. It was interesting because I have a female technician that works with me. So she was doing some of the exam stuff and he, you could see the anger in his, when she would like correct things or whatever. Like it was, he was antisocial. And uh, so I got a call like a week later from the attorney and she, she's uh you know, just asking me what I think. And I'm trying to be as sort of polite about it as sure. I can. And I'm saying, I said, well, you know, there's really nothing cognitively wrong with them. Intellectually, everything's okay. Uh, so there's really not. And, and so she's like, but, but, you know, like what he did is like something has to be wrong with him. Yeah. And that's I, what people think. Yeah. And I go, yeah, I mean, I don't think I think he's got some antisocial traits mm-hmm. and whatever. I go, but um, from a cognitive standpoint, he is competent. Like mm-hmm. he understands what he did. Mm-hmm. Not saying that he's not sick or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, and it kind of went back and forth that way for a couple minutes, and then she's like, "Well, what do you like?" She kind of got started getting frustrated. What do you? What do you like? Really, what do you think? And I said, "I said, listen, I think he's antisocial." I think he's one of the most antisocial people I've met. There's nothing wrong with him cognitively. I can't help you. Mm-hmm. And she just says, she said, okay, well, I guess we don't need your help anymore. And hung up. Yikes. And I figured I, it would happen more often than that. I wasn't hired by that for, for a while. And then <laughs> for probably a couple of years, then I started getting hired yeah. again. In fact, one of the case, the case I was talking about with the police, mm-hmm. um, the, the guy shot the police officer. Um, 
the attorney that grilled me on the stand wound up hiring me later for several cases. So, huh. and I've worked with her mm-hmm. since then on lots of murder cases. So that's uh, usually the compliment when they hire you. Yeah, that's a good point. Even though some of them can be rude and some of them. Do you get paid for this? It's just volunteer work. (laughs) Well, you don't, I don't know. I get, I get paid my, my contract rate. As you should. (laughs) No shit. That kind of, what you just said, kind of, um, most people that listen to true crime know what antisocial means, but some people just think it means they don't like being around people. Yeah. In layman's terms, could you say what is antisocial personality versus like psychosis and sure. that? So you different. have like the, the sociopath and the psychopath, mm-hmm. which are two different things, actually. And usually when you think sociopath, you're thinking like antisocial, borderline personality, things of those. Those are clinical diagnoses. So it's not like, oh, they're just like, they don't like people. No. Uh, in fact, they can be very charming. They can uh, they can function in society. A lot of CEOs have these traits. Politicians. Politicians have these traits. <laughs> what they can be charming, but it's all about what they want and what they need. And an antisocial person or a sociopath doesn't want to necessarily hurt people to hurt them. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to hurt you. I don't need anything from you. But if I need something, I have no problem hurting you. I have no problem manipulating you. I have no problem murdering you. Nothing. It's to a means to an end. And it's all about what I need or want. Mm -hmm. That's kind of an antisocial person. And so they have no feelings or emotions towards that stuff. Like as normal, like, oh, I'd feel bad if I hurt somebody to get where I wanted to go. And they would not. (laughs) A lot of people like that, I think. Do you ever treat people like that in any way try to get them they haven't killed someone maybe necessarily is there a way to reroute that or is that just kind of like that's their personality personality. it's like dexter yeah like they're not taking (laughs) it's they're not taking a pill for it it's Mm. not like it's yeah personalities are hard to treat yeah yeah personality disorders are really hard to treat i think that there are like i said people who function in society that have these personality disorders um, because they've managed to get into positions or sort of do things that they can do that are okay with that. You know yeah. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And as long as nothing happens, it sort of sets them into a motion of going the other route. Mm-hmm. They can function. Yeah. But, scary. You know, so like this guy clearly, I mean, if you looked at his history, right, he raped, raped and beat, his elderly neighbor, which was clearly for some sort of gain for him, right? Yeah. Then he goes to prison, no telling what happened in prison, you know, as an 18-year-old going into prison. And then he was out for two years, and as far as I know, everything was fine until he thought mm-hmm. that his girlfriend wronged him. And instead of hurting her, I'm going to go hurt her parents so that it hurts her. Like, that's an antisocial. Yeah. That's a manipulative like anti- level. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so he was a dangerous person. As far as a lot of the people I've seen, he was a dangerous. Some of the schizophrenics and the people people that have schizophrenia that that have committed crimes or been charged with crimes, I don't feel danger from them as long as they're not actively psychotic or whatever, you know, that kind of thing. And, And like the situation and what had happened is more situational. These antisocial people... That makes it seem like it could happen more likely again and again instead of it just being a out, a psychotic outbreak yes. versus like just someone who's I don't know has an agenda to get what they want. Yes, kind of freaky. Yeah. So for an insan an insanity defense, does it have to be psychosis or schizophrenia? Are there other diagnoses that can go yeah, with so insanity? Usually, what I, I, I've never really. Uh, and somebody could correct me on this. I've never seen someone just claim insanity. Usually they claim, sure. it, they claim, they say, uh, incompetent by mental disease or defect. Oh, sort okay. of way it's worded. Yeah, yeah. And so any sort of mental disease, uh, or mental disorder and or injury or defect. So I've had some dementia cases and oh, okay. things like yeah. that, brain injury, stroke, stuff that any sort of thing that's happened with the brain that now causes behavior or emotional changes. 
And then the next sort of prong to that is, um, first, do you have a mental disease or defect? Because having it doesn't... Sure, right, right. that's true. So having it, and then secondly, could you understand uh, your actions at the time? So do you understand that your actions, can you, and then can you control your actions? So do you have a mental disease or defect? Did it affect your ability to judge and manage your situation? And does it affect your ability to control your behavior, right? So there are people that have brain injuries that are impulsive. So there's mm-hmm. this impulsive reaction and they can impulsively react to something and do something they shouldn't do. And so do you have a mental disease or defect? Yes, got a brain injury. And yes, it affects my ability to inhibit reactions. Therefore, uh, I'm, you may be incompetent to stand trial or uh, you're competent to stand trial, but you may not be able to be put to death, so you get life in prison. So they don't usually get – they're not getting off. It's not yeah. like right. – people think, people, think they're getting yeah, yeah, it's like, oh, they're saying they get to go – no, yeah. they're going to go to the hospital for 30 years. So yeah. they're not going anywhere. And I think you know, they don't just release people. What are your thoughts on postpartum depression? Well, there's postpartum depression. There's postpartum psychosis. Like the, you know, like the uh, Andrea Yates that drowned her kids and said she had a... I mean, it's shown that those things exist. Yeah. So um, definitely postpartum depression, postpartum psychosis, and uh, and that can cause people to do things they normally wouldn't do and feel threatened. And, you know, that some of the psychosis that you see with say like a parent, right, mm-hmm. is generally these these delusions that if I don't kill them, the devil's gonna get something right. bad is gonna right. happen. So I have to do this. So yeah. Yeah. And so nothing so, worse happens. Yes. And so that's sort of that delusion that would say, okay, this person definitely has a mental disease that affects their ability to judgment and reasoning. Mm-hmm. Um it doesn't, you know, it's not like, okay, they get off, but they need to be treated. So right. at this point, let's treat this person and see what, what kind of come of it. And then um, maybe they are restored. Maybe they're not. It sort of goes from there. But yeah. Uh, so do you think that there is a such thing as demonic possession? <laughs> no. That, that really you is. don't? No. I disagree. Yeah. I'm not a doctor, but... Because you hear those, like, we did a case where the girl um, was, her family thought she was possessed, but then doctors were like, no, she has schizophrenia, but they didn't believe that, and so essentially she started it, because she had, like, a break. I also asked Lacey's husband, and he's like, I can't go on your podcast and talk about this. No, I do not. I do not. He thought it was... I can't say. remember something about temporal lobe epilepsy or something. So does that like like mm-hmm. kind of mimic the things where people say Absolutely. they? Absolutely. So what is that? Tell us, explain that. What do you do when you have that? You see faces and like melting <laughs> and like your voices. And- Everyone can have different sort of delusions, and I I remember I worked an inpatient like a, a lock psych unit, and uh, we had one guy that just would laugh, and like we talked to him, and he was like, yeah, and he knew he was hallucinating. He's like. His were funny. Didn't he, bother him. He just was like, he like thought, he was stoned. Yeah, he like thought they were hilarious, the stuff they would say to him. Like, that was his reaction. Then I had another guy who had, we actually had to wind up almost strapping him to the bed because he was getting stress fractures in his feet because he would not stop walking. He would pace. That's one of the things her husband said, that and this guy had an obsessive, something that he had to do. Yeah. Like, oh, she, she, she would have kneeling. She would genuflect, you know. Oh. Her, she would, her knees would get all, like, broken. broken because she, she kept do the same, repeat the same thing. Yeah. Is that what you're talking about? Like, yeah. Would, and so he would just do this. And then when we, you would talk to him, if he stopped, it would, it would scare him and stress him so much because he, he believed that if he was not moving and walking, that the devil was going to kill his family. Oh my God. So he was, completely, you know, upset, stressed, I can't stop, I'm hurting, My he's crying because his feet hurt, and he's just walking. And so we're like, you got to medicate him, you got to like sit him down, because they will self-harm because of their delusion. So if their delusion involves, if you get in the way of that, he could act out in a way that would hurt you. 
Like his uh, flight or flight came Yeah, through. because you are preventing him from doing something that's going to save his family kind of thing, right? So you got to – that that's the kind of stuff that could happen, but um, – If you have those things, when does that, like, typically show up? Like, not as a child, is it, or are there a lot of children that have this, or does it usually show up later in your life? Most people have their first psychotic breaks in their late teens, early 20s. So you can be, like, totally normal kid. You're not killing stuff. You're not setting shit on fire. Yeah, that's different personality disorders. And then you just, like, have, like, just a shit day and you just have a break. Or how does that work? Sometimes they just come along. Sometimes they're set up. Um, What's interesting, stress. So if you have a high rate of people having their first psychotic break when they go to college. Uh Uh-huh. Join the military. They're like 18, right? Mm-hmm. They join it. Life changes. Very stressed. Yeah. They have their first break. That happens a lot. Uh, drugs. Uh-huh. So there was a thing here in Arkansas not too long ago where, uh, and I, I'm not keeping up with the local drugs, but they were smoking marijuana with formaldehyde, oh. which ca- was causes psychosis. But then they were getting hospitalized, and the doctors were having a hard time figuring out, is it a psychotic break, or is it this, because they're all like 16, 17, 18 years old, and they're like, we don't know how to treat this, because we don't know if it's just the drugs or if it's a break. And then that could cause you to have a break, so... But yeah, so... But generally, most of those breaks... Now, the, the research has pinpointed, or not pinpointed, but sort of like kids that grow up to have psychosis, schizophrenia or something, generally have some bizarre or different behaviors when they're little anyway. Like, like they, well, I don't know, I'm not an expert in that, but I, I'm, <laughs> I, I will say that, that it is, it is been shown that they have some social sort of differences, uh-huh. like getting along with people, kind of being different, that kind of thing. So it's there, but it's not abnormal to the sense you're like, oh, something's really off. But they did go back and kind of see that there are some little changes here. And generally, you know, you're going to have family sort of um, histories of different mental, mental disorders. Yeah, mental disorders and stuff. Really you know, we're still learning a lot about schizophrenia anyway. There's a really that. good show. I can't remember if it was on HBO or what with um, the Hulk guy. You know, the actor. Come on. Uh, Mark Ruffalo. Mark Ruffalo, and it's based off a book. It's like, I got nothing. I know this much is true, but it was based on a book, but they're twin brothers. Oh, yeah, and yeah, he, yeah, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I think I've seen my that. My husband mm-hmm. loved it. I, I thought it was way too depressing, but he said it was a very realistic look at mm-hmm. schizophrenia pretty much. But Mark Ruffalo, for, so he plays an identical twin, films it separately for the schizophrenic role. Because of all the meds and stuff, he gained a lot of weight to look mm. the part, and it, it's it's depressing. Mm. Well, thanks for recommending But it's that. very I'm no, it's a very good. It. It's it's insightful in in it. I guess it's it's. But they're twin brothers. One has schizophrenia. One does not. Kind of shows growing up, he wasn't really treated, so his psychosis kept getting worse and worse because mm-hmm. he wasn't treated and. But it's really good. It's just... Did they think he was possessed? No, they did not. Um, they didn't. So the possession thing, let's talk about that. I would ask you, can you find me someone that believes in demonic possession that is not religious and looking for religious explanations for the behavior? I'm not religious. You're religious. I'm Catholic, but I'm lapsed. Oh, well, Catholics, they're the ones that believe in all that. <laughs> but you know what? Catholics believe it, too. If you're not Catholic and you believe in demonic possession, send Lacey an email. Don't email me. <laughs> I'll give them your personal number for texting. No. They can text you. <laughs> I just think that it's not always scientifically proven when people have things like that wrong with them. So your leap is a, it's a demon? To play the demon's advocate, someone that has all those problems and then they get medication and they're better... Why would a medication stop a demon? You know what I mean? I mean, I, I don't have one. No, I know what I'm saying. But, yeah. I mean, like, I why would a saying. medication fix it? Would right. you think the demon would, you know, Wasn't that be stronger the, than the, the meds? the whole point of the Emily Rose? Yes, that that's the, the case I did. Yeah, so the... And it was the whole court trial, which is why I brought it up. Yeah. Yeah. And, and didn't the priest get in trouble because he's the one that told him to stop taking medicine? Well, that was the whole thing is like they all got in trouble for like murder because 
Because all the doctors said switching, she should have been medicated. Switching gears. What's the last question I see? No, I, I see why people, especially those that are very religious, think it's demon possession because it looks. Sure. It doesn't. It looks wild. They lose weight and look gaunt. They can lose their hair. They can. Yeah, and they get they're that cataplexy so they can, yeah. like, and people are like, well, that's weird, right? Yeah. They do weird. You and then know. there's epilepsy, catatonia, all these kinds of things that just do not look human, but. And people look research. for explanations. There's a good show on Netflix. I forgot the name of it. Evil. But is it evil? The psychologist and the yes. priest? We love that show. Yeah. I do like that show. Yeah. That's yeah. a good show. And where they're trying to debunk everything. Yeah. You need a job like that. You and Lacey. There you guys are. And I'll be the one in the middle going, it's true. I'm like, it's the same as That was a good good show. Is that coming back on? I hope so. so. I think it captures um, sleep paralysis pretty well. Yes. So, all right. I can look like a demon. Yes. Everyone that tells me they have, they see ghosts. I say, when do you see them? Before you go to sleep? Before you, or right when you wake up? They're like, yeah. I go, and you can't move and you feel impending doom? I go, "Mm mm-hmm. That's a sleep disorder. They're like, no, I believe it. And what said, is that? It's a sleep disorder. No, I know, but what? Don't you know? Aren't you? Aren't you yeah. Disorder? So, so basically, you're waking. I had. I don't do it often. Yeah, but yeah. I've had sleep paralysis before. Yeah. So basically, you're, like, you're waking. You're waking up in REM. And you're to scream and you can't. Because in REM, you you have no motor movements, right? So you wake up kind of at the end of REM, and so and REM's also where you dream. So you wake up and you're seeing this stuff, but you can't move. You can't. And, mm-hmm. and then they start to get the feeling of impending doom, something on their chest, da, da, da. but it's always when they're sleeping mm-hmm. and it's sleep paralysis. I mean, it's a, it's medical. You've never done that? I've never done it, but I have friends that do. And it's uncanny. All their stories are almost the yes. exact same of the person. Some of them have the, why it's the a woman person. or the man. It's just your brain. You it? Mm-hmm. Man, you two. No sleep paralysis, no demons. You two suck. <laughs> When I was teaching, uh, I was teaching brain behavior. I had this, and students would ask this all the time, and we'd get into it. And someone just go, "Well, I believe it." And I go, "That's fine. I'm just telling you." You're if wrong. You, but- well, I'm just saying if you look at the evidence, this is when it happens. This is what happens, and we know that it's related okay. to this. It happens in all sorts of neurologic disorders. It happens in when people develop dementias and stuff. So you just have to be aware of that. But it's strange, and it's a strange experience. And what it is is someone experiences it, so then they want to be like, "I experienced it. I saw. I was looking at something, and it was. I couldn't move." And you're like, "I know. I'm not denying that happened. I'm just telling you why it happened." It is terrifying. I will say now that I'm thinking about it, all the big possession stories are any of them not Catholic or very religious? Yes. No, they're not. That's yes, why. That's why the Emily Rose family or was Catholic. very Catholic. But what about the boy, um, the one that the exorcist is based on? I don't think he was religious. Didn't they have a priest come to the... Well, I feel like that's the MO, <laughs> is you have a priest come drop a demon out. Well, I grew up in a church where they believed in demons. Oh, yeah? I'm not Catholic, but... I think it a lot of it was because they it looks like a demon possession. I agree. It looks like what you would think a demon possession looks like. But but then you go back to like what who started it I mean, what a demon possession would look like. You know what I mean? Like who, Exactly. I, back in the olden days they didn't know yeah. it was schizophrenia, they didn't know it was psychosis, they didn't know so that it was the demons. Seriously, like for everything, they job. thought, ep- no, in epilepsy, epilepsy back in the day, no. they used to put women away for it because they thought they were crazy. They also used to put them away for masturbating, so. Well, that's my point, though, is they didn't know epilepsy was, a dis- you know, something crazy. actually wrong. They thought it was the devil. That's so crazy. But see, it's the same thing. Like a, so, they, so, temporal lobe epilepsy has sort of a constellation of symptoms, and I, there was a book a few years ago where they went back and looked at historical figures and diagnosed, kind of, you know, mm-hmm. diagnosed, said they possibly could have this based on their symptoms and things that they did throughout their life. And some of them are, some of the, the symptoms are hyper-religious, um, hyposexual, so they're like hyper-religious, against sex, and they um, write a lot. Hmm. Right. There's some Joan of Arc may have had temporal epilepsy. Yeah. 
Uh, they had visions, things. right, and all this stuff. Oh. Um, so it's kind of interesting, right? Yeah. Uh, what are you looking Never at? Never mind. He was at a Jesuit college. <laughs> <laughs> They're all the rest of my case. I got nothing. Soon to drink my drink. <laughs> Do a case on atheists that have a yeah. demon possessed kid. <laughs> just. <laughs> Um, any, any more questions? So I just, I had a couple of quickies. Uh, the McDonald triad, the peas, the bed, the starts fires young, kills small animals. Oh. Do you put much stock in that kind of thing that that behavior as a kid, they're going to grow you up? You sound so professional. And I'm like, do you believe in demons? And you're like, what about this? <laughs> no, but that's talked a lot about in true crime. If sure. they killed small animals when they were right. a kid, if they were a bedwetter. Like their signs. Seems kind so, of yeah. odd, the bedwetting thing. But I think they mean like if they're bedwetting when they're like. Older. Older. Like 10. Like 10. Yeah. 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 And then killing small animals. Like those things so, aligning up or. Is that yes. Just- those are, those are sort of, those line up with the, the sociopath, the sociopathic traits. And so there's researched and things that support that. I think that it's like a lot of things. If you see that, the most disturbing part of that would be killing animals with no remorse. Yeah. Okay. That would be disturbing more than wetting the bed. Oh, But if you have this triad of everything, you're like, okay, something we probably should look out for. But, um, yeah, I mean. Have you ever worked with kids that have... I, I've done a little animals. bit with kids, but not okay. very much. That would freak me out more than, I think, an adult sociopath, just because that's... Kids are creepy. They're so innocent, but then they're doing something no, kids so... kids are not innocent. You're not... I've had a few... Trust us, we're parents. Kids are not innocent. I've had a few <laughs> cases of teenager murder stuff Gosh. and sentencing for juveniles and stuff that I've been involved in, but I don't really get... I, I, I don't usually go below, like, 16. Really. Yeah. Have you ever been scared by someone you're talking with? Like, for example, that guy you said was the most antisocial guy. Yeah. But you are not, maybe not necessarily scared, but have you ever thought? No, that, that of all the cases, and I go prisons, mm-hmm. max security prisons, in cells with people, never felt threatened, never felt wow. anything like that. That guy was the only guy I felt. If he had the opportunity, he would try to hurt That's me terrifying. or somebody yeah, else. I mean, scary. I could see it. I would not turn my back on that guy. Now, I wasn't really afraid of him because of the setting where we yeah, were. Sure. But he was the only one that I was like, yeah, He's he cannot yeah. trust that Like if you did something he didn't like, it might have changed the situation. I like, could see him coming over the table with a pencil very quick. Oh, <laughs> God. <laughs> He's very Michael Myers. Yeah. That is so you have that, and then I had another guy, I'll tell you real quick, that had a major personality disorder. He was on death row. So he killed his parents and got life in prison. When he was in life in prison, he had a cellmate. He didn't want a cellmate. He told him he didn't want a cellmate. So he decided, well, if I kill my cellmate, they won't give me another cellmate. Murdered his cellmate. Beat him to death. And now he doesn't have a cellmate. So he got what he wanted, but now he got death, death, uh, wow. death sentence. And he was what I, he probably has antisocial traits, but based on that exam and everything, it was borderline personality disorder. And so uh, is what I sort of concluded. Now, he was very trying to manipulate and pull you in to feel bad for me. Like something must be wrong with me. Like, why do I do this? And you just don't fall for it. But, mm-hmm. like, that's kind of what he was trying to do, whereas the other guy was very much like, you know, don't say I'm wrong, I'll murder you. you know? <laughs> right. No <laughs> like, if I need something from you, I will take it, and you will let me, or I will kill huh. you. And this guy was more like, I, I want to get what I want to get, and I'll manipulate. And he figured out, well, the quickest and fastest way for me to not have a cellmate is to kill the guy. So I killed him. And then he... And he and he was waiving his right to uh, appeal, but he was really just playing games, I think. But I think it's because of his personality. He's playing mm-hmm. games and manipulating. I feel like more men are diagnosed with antisocial than women, like by a, probably a big amount. Do you think they're just more 
prone to violence and that's why? Or do you think genuinely not as many women are antisocial? Or maybe there are more antisocial women, but they don't kill people? Does that make sense? I feel like borderlines and histrionics, women, women, women. It seems like there is a a difference in gender for borderlines, more women. Uh Well, sorry, I'm not saying that they're, I'm saying diagnostically, there are more more women are diagnosed with borderline and more men are diagnosed with Mm -hmm. antisocial. I don't know if that's just sort of a, I don't personally think, I I do see men as more violent generally, Mm -hmm. but uh, I think it just may be the way they sort of do their manipulation to get what they want. Uh Uh, But I've diagnosed several men with with borderline. Have Um, you seen a lot of female... Antisocials? Some, yeah. Oddly enough, as I'm sitting here thinking about it, I don't get a lot of female murder cases. Hmm. With, with the uh, we covered Diane Downs not too long ago, mm-hmm. the woman who shot her kids, killed one mm-hmm. of them. But um, she had so many doctors saying she's histrionic, she's this and borderline, and so borderlines are very dangerous. I mean, they can be violent, but their violence tends to be related to feeling as if they were uh, wronged and any little thing can do it, right? So, like, if if I didn't call you back because uh, you told me, you're like, oh, you're dramatic, I don't really talk to you anymore, and you call a hundred times and I don't call you back, they can show up and try to hurt you because you hurt them. Right. That's kind of a borderline. I mean, some some traits of a borderline. Not all, not everyone's violent. Oh, I yeah, want to be no. very clear. Not yes, everyone. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> but I, I had a there was a specialist when I was an intern that came in and did a presentation, and she specialized in working with borderlines. And she said she had to get like top notch security and also for her office because she did get attacked one time with a person with a knife and and so she had to because of the population and they because part of the treatment for borderline is giving boundaries mm-hmm. and they don't, some of them don't like it some of them will sure. start to then take it further and further and you have to be firm with your boundaries and sometimes they'll test them. That's kind yeah. of a borderline trait. And yeah. socials aren't going to act like that as much. Huh. They're going to be more like, I see your ring, I like that ring, and I'm either going to steal it or I'm going to take it. <laughs> and you're not going to stop me. I'm not going to manipulate you to get to mm-hmm. you. I'm just going to, like, I'll wait and I'll take it. I want that ring. You know what I mean? That's kind of... But yeah, not all borderlines are... There's Definitely. No, yeah, I don't yeah. want to say that. Oh, yeah, but. we're not saying that. Yeah. So, in your medical opinion, who do you think the most dangerous serial killer is? Was the most dangerous serial killer? The one that you think is the most fucked up, like psychologically. Oh, man, I don't know. He's like, I don't know serial killers like you do. <laughs> I just, I read a book last year I got for Christmas. It's a book of serial killers. It's a really good book. And uh, one of the ones that what I noticed in that book was a large percentage of them revolved around sexual perversion. Uh And I found that interesting. So I think you can have those, like we talked about the McDonald triad and you have like these traits for antisocial, but they also had something else happen for the most part. Uh Yeah. Uh, I think Bundy was the one that he, he didn't have a bad background, or he did. He was kind of like a normal background. Yeah. But a lot of them have some sort of traumatic background that then also feeds into some of that. It seems like it's a lot of stuff. sexual abuse, perversion, and stuff. And um, and what was interesting now, the one that sticks out to me the most, I don't know why, but and I don't remember his name, but it was a guy in Brazil, and he was the most prolific serial killer. That guy. Mm-hmm. So he he was a serial killer and got put in prison. But then when he got put in prison, he started killing prisoners. So he was like a serial killer in prison. Oh my God. So he will go and kill anyone who commits violent crimes or like kids or stuff. Like he goes around and kills. He was people. like a vigilante. He's a vigilante he's a serial killer, killer. And he's in prison. And with I, the bad guy. With the bad like, guy. And he's eating frenzy. Yeah, I, I look. I can text you because I, I got, it was in my book, and I that was is, like, "This guy is crazy." You have to tell us what the book is. It's, I mean, it's pretty 
big book, and it's just all serial killers. And uh, it kind of gives it's like a it's like a three or four page synopsis of what they did, how they got caught, uh, what their sentence was, their last words. Mm-hmm. That's always cool because some of them had some weird stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And so it's like it's like a, it's, it's pretty I interesting. Like, yeah. You just skim through it, but then I, I did start kind of getting disturbed only from the sexual yeah. stuff, like with yeah. kids, a lot oh, of yeah. kids stuff. And I was like, this is a little harder yeah. to keep reading every night. So yeah, a lot so. of them have like like Kemper. Yeah, he was like brilliant, super smart. He was guy. in that book, mm-hmm. and like he's my favorite serial killer. If that's a such thing. Yeah, but so it's like, how can him? him how can he be so like on but then so off do you know what i mean like so smart and intellectually but then he's got all these it just happens like that i mean that's the that's the odd part so i i'm a, like he didn't have a brain you know what i mean like he wasn't uh, intellectually challenged like he's mm-hmm. brilliant and super smart but he's psychopath some of the i don't know about his case but i think some people find it as a game. If you watch any of those true crime things, mm-hmm. there some of the arrogant personality stuff that comes out, it's like mm-hmm. they want to let you know they did it like and got away with it. They want I mean that's that is that personality, that narcissism, that that antisocial stuff all coming out. Uh, and I think that police can use that to get information. I'm kind of fall in the realm of Nature and nurture. I think people have predispositions by nature. Um, and then depending on experiences and trauma or whatever, it leads them down certain behavioral paths and stuff gets reinforced. And then personalities start to develop and characteristics develop and they just kind of go off and do what they're going to do. Personalities and personality characteristics are hard to change. Yeah. I'd imagine it would take a lot of therapy and not just that, but being willing to change, which they probably aren't all willing to, to yeah. change. So, I mean, and I think that was sort of what the attorneys that I, that have said to me, well, something's got to be wrong with them. And I'm like, well, I'm not saying they're like an ideal citizen. Yeah. I'm saying they are competent. Mm-hmm. I can't say they're incompetent. But yeah, they got some personality issues. Like they're not a normal person that should be on the street, which is why they probably should be in prison. Right? <laughs> so. Yeah, they're. I mean, just an asshole. That yeah. doesn't. Yeah. Um, that doesn't mean they're crazy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I did have an attorney. Now I go back. I did have an attorney one time tell me, "Well, if you don't have anything, I don't have anything. Like if you can't find something wrong with them, I don't. I don't have anything." And I was like, "Well, sorry. I, was like, I can't sorry. find anything. Sorry, I'm not making it up." Yeah. But the cases I usually get are criminally are uh, competency, um, murder, capital murder, death row, redoing stuff. And I have gotten a number of, this is interesting, I've got a number of sex crimes and like pedophilia and stuff because because, um, of intellectual disabilities and things like that that claimed after they get caught so I've gotten pulled into some of those Uh cases too I'd be like I can't do these well you know it's kind of interesting because I'll say this when I when I go into these cases I know the I know what they're charged with or or what they've been convicted of I don't really get into a lot of the details about it because that's really not I'm not the lawyer I'm not trying to solve a case or anything like yeah. that. I really, I have a, I have a an- question to answer and I'm going to answer that question yeah. and I get details that I need and, but I don't, I don't want to get caught up into yeah. it. Too and, much information would probably yeah. be bad. Yeah. Cause the more you get, the yeah. more you could be biased. I, yeah. I, I just don't want to, it's kind of interesting cause you don't want to be judgmental about it. Yeah. Right. That, like, that well, would be tough. Screw this guy, he killed somebody yeah. and it's like, that's not my role. My role yeah. is to figure out if there's, something competency related yeah, that's true and that's it and so huh. i try not to always get into the details sometimes i do sometimes i don't but uh i usually don't deep dive into it so when attorneys start telling me all the stuff about the case like i said i listen to it and then i just kind of don't yeah, pay attention yeah. to it because like it doesn't change my opinion one way or the other if you think the wife murdered i don't right, i don't know right 
like I'm only here to tell you this yeah. guy can stand trial or not. That's good point. Yeah, you don't, you're not the jury. Yeah. yeah. Anything else? I think I've asked all your all my questions. Well, I checked out when y'all don't believe in demons. So <laughs> demons and ghosts. Demons. And I want to know. Nobody have you had visions other than that sleep? <laughs> no. <laughs> diagnose you now. He's, he's, he's been doing it the whole time. Probably. Yeah, we should do this with a uh, ghost hunter sometime. I'd like to ask them questions. I didn't know we had them here, but she's telling I didn't either. Yeah. I found one. Can we go out and like observe sometime? I thought she asked. I did, and he said yes. If you're familiar with Four Quarter Bar in Argenta, apparently that's very haunted. There's been two decapitations there in history. Mm -hmm. It used to be a brothel. I don't know. But why? Why a brothel? No, no. Why? Why? (laughs) Why would ghosts? (laughs) Because they can't cross over. Are you just asking me so you can make fun of me? No, 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 no. (laughs) I'm asking because all right, so they can't cross over, but people die everywhere. Wouldn't a hospital be the most haunted place ever? Well, I feel like if you're... I didn't think about a hospital to ask him about. I feel like... I was asking about cemeteries, but to be fair, they're, they they're didn't die there. Yeah. Man. I feel like I mean, if you would you're, think there'd be nothing but ghosts running around hospitals. Well, there probably are. I just get when I see shows on ID where someone has schizophrenia, they're not getting treated. They keep having bouts of psychosis. Then they end up doing something bad. They go to prison, mm-hmm. but they were never treated mm-hmm. because the parents thought it was demons. And it's just... It's demons. Don't go. So, yeah. For the record, I'm not obsessed with demons. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, if it's demons, like, what are you going to do about it? You got to call a priest. But I could just give you some antipsychotics. <laughs> but but it's. I think it's important. To, they beat demons, so. Yeah. I think it's important to, to note that there is a very high rate of mental health, uh, mental disorders and people in prison. And... I, I guess I would be remiss to say that that we should be aware of that in society. We could treat these things. All these, I'm not really, you know, we're laughing about the demon possession, but any of these things should be treated readily, mm-hmm. mental health wise, and that you may help prevent that. Now, a lot of that comes from the 80s when they got rid of state hospitals and they just let everyone out, and then the police in jail became the state hospitals, mm-hmm. and then they go to prison, and mm-hmm. they and they're in prison like a guy I had that was actively psychotic for twenty years. Multiple providers saw him and said this guy's psychotic, and they wouldn't treat him, and they put him on to be murdered, killed, mm-hmm. right? And we finally got him off, but he was clearly like multiple, both sides. Everybody was saying he was psychotic. Treat the guy, and they wouldn't do it. That's so sad, God. And uh, and I think that happens, and we should be aware of it, and we should help that. And then we have the guys like the antisocial guy that I'm like, I can't help you. That yeah. guy needs to be in prison. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, He's, yeah. Give those guys exorcism. Yeah, <laughs> that guy needs to be in prison. The borderline guy, he's going to murder anyone that gets in his way. Yeah. Be in prison, like yeah. you know. But the the guy has psychosis is reacting to a psychosis, and we need to treat that. Mm-hmm. That doesn't necessarily mean he's a run around, but yeah. he needs to be treated. Yeah. I think it's kind of cruel punishment to not treat someone who has a mental health disorder and lock them in a cell by themselves. Yeah, I agree. Right? I mean, it's terrible, terrible. Especially if they had been medicated the whole time, they yeah. might not have done what they did in the first place. So it's, yeah, yeah, and you know, and there's research that. You know, schizophrenia is untreated, causes more brain damage, right? So as, it, yeah. as you age and stuff, so it's like you're causing damage yeah. that you could be treating right now. So, what do I think about? I'm going to be up all night Googling stuff. <laughs> I'll find that book for you. Yeah. Um, I'm going to have to get on Amazon and order that. You're going to get possessed by demons. Like, too late. I'm going to be like, sorry, take a like the pro. <laughs> it's a fixer. Whatever. <laughs> Just burn Thank some insects. It's a fixer. A fixer cures my demons. <laughs> TM, TM. I think a fixer's TM, so we can't TM a TM. I don't, I don't remember the the whatever name. The generic. Venlafaxine? Venlafaxine. Venlafaxine. This bitch knows the whole, the whole first, middle, and last name of her antidepressant. <laughs> Seriously. I'm glad you're on antidepressant. I don't mean that negative. 
Thank you. I'm glad I am There's a stigma to it. My anxiety thanks me as well. I'm serious. Thanks for talking to us. This has been yes, interesting. Thank you. Very this was fun. Yeah, you'll have to come back and tell us more tales of. Oh, I have a lot of cool cases. I'm sure. Yeah. Very interesting job. I was involved in the case with the guy shot the two Air Force recruiters. Remember that? Yeah. And they had a delusional disorder. I was involved in that case too. We can talk about that sometime. And he did have. He does disorder? have a del- oh, delusional yeah. disorder, but. Again, uh, I was like, doesn't make him incompetent. Right. Oh, yeah. Still, he, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to stick with People have delusional disorders and can oh, okay. function. So he was delusional. He wasn't But you can know what you're doing if, and make a he, decision. He was acting volitionally into his delusions. He knew what he was oh. doing. He knew it was okay. wrong. And it was a result of a delusion. Like, don't get me yeah. wrong, but he was involved in this and kind of followed it through. The FBI got involved because he was claiming he was part of ISIS and all sorts. That was part of his oh, delusion. Wow. Yeah, that was part of his delusion. And they were like, he isn't. <laughs> like, they came back and said he isn't. And it was a whole thing. Yeah, I was involved in that one. Wow. Yeah, you'll have to come back and tell us more detail about Warrior and get back to us. If you change your mind about it, it's demon possession. <laughs> have a roundtable discussion. We're going to have a roundtable. And we should bring a priest and a ghost hunter. And you and I. Oh, this is, this oh is going to happen. Look, I'm going to. That would be The priest would this, just start throwing holy water on me. No. <laughs> this is happening. Notes. Put a note. Do you know a good priest? I mean, I know. I don't think all, do all, pre, all priests don't do it. No. Right? You, you have, have to, to find you like have a new to like, like a, go to like a school. Stay tuned during a text so message. So I would I would ask about I would ask a priest because I don't know this. Can a priest perform an exorcism on someone who's not Catholic? Is that a rule where they're like, I can't? You got to be Catholic point. if no, you it's even not do a this. wedding. I don't know. I'm sure they can. I mean, I don't know. I'm lapsed. On that note, we gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.